0: Good morning everybody, I hope
1: you're going jolly this morning and we have yet another amazing show here on Making Life Brighter Radio and I just want to shout out to all the listeners around the world, thank you so much for tuning in and listening and thank you for sharing. Uh, We've had a tremendous showing over the last year of your loyalty and we appreciate that. I have a special guest here with us today and we are going to continue our exploration into the truth behind different issues. And this show is about those that are making our world brighter and the very best in the world with the people that are doing things that are they're passionate about or the things that are helping our world in some form or another. And today is no exception. We have Mr. Nicholas No and he is of the 603rd Air and Space Operation uh, Center where he worked. He was a combat operations specialist, and he worked for the United States Air Force. He was part of MAGCOM and AFRICOM and the EUCOM, and he was also um, an experienced technician who would actually gather all the data of all the assets around Europe uh, at the same time. And he's here with us today to talk about the truth behind the Benghazi betrayal and how he was personally involved in that and what he actually knows about it from the inside. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for coming.
2: Hi, Winifred. Thanks for having me.
1: It's nice to have you here with us today. And I know that this is a very big topic, but I'm going to just jump right in. Uh, You were in charge of all the assets around Europe in terms of information as to where they were stationed, why they were there, who had what, and you had information that you could pass on to officers that needed to make decisions in in live time right away in any given moment so anything and everything crossed your desk and you were able to discern the information and then share that back with people and you have inside knowledge of what really went on behind the Benghazi massacre in 2012 so tell us why now why are you bringing this story out now
2: Well, it all started with, uh, whenever everything happened, um, I kind of kept quiet for some time, waited until I was out of the military. I went to Congresswoman Susan Brooks after uh, Trump was elected. I I knew that I could trust him and that uh, it would be a good time to come forward. I went to her, and then she turned me away and uh, told me I should call the FBI, I, and she's on the Benghazi committee, and that's the reason I went to her. And then I went to the FBI and told them I have more information, and it's been several years now, and they never called me back. They had all my information, and they could look up who I am and where I worked. Um, so after some time, I you know for a time after that, I was kind of uh, down and out, uh, you know, not really knowing what to make of it, I, you know, I, the people you're supposed to trust the most had uh, betrayed me. So I, after some time I saw a YouTube video um, and I saw Charles Woods on there. He's with Dr. Dave Janda. And they were talking about how Charles has been lied to the entire time and nobody has told him the truth about what happened to his son Ty Woods, who was killed on the rooftop in Benghazi. And is that not common I practice? That,
1: is, it, is it not common? We, we often hear about that type of story where the, milita- the military doesn't explain everything that's happened to someone on the field. There's been lots of stories of questions like that. Why is this one different?
2: Uh, this one's different. Um, let me complete my thought there. I, I contacted... Dave Janda and uh, got in touch with Charles so I could tell him the truth. And I I couldn't stand seeing him in in, uh, in pain, talking about how his son had been killed and he had lied to the entire time. Um, and um, in these circumstances, um, you know, sometimes there there are circumstances um, where that they might not reveal what had happened uh, if, if there was some sort of very secretive mission or something like that. Um, but in this case, he had met Barack Obama in person, and um, and it was lied to there, it was lied to by Hillary, it was lied to by Joe Biden. And um, in, in these circumstances, it was highly publicized, but uh, the main takeaway from it is that we had assets all over Africa and all over Europe, and my job was to know where they were at all times and provide a status update, personnel, logistics, uh, posture level, uh, intelligence, all of the information that a general officer would need to make uh, a good decision on a battlefield. And uh, what they did was uh, unbelievable. They wanted them to die. is The only way I can explain it. Because we had more than enough help to do uh, to to do, uh, send a pararescue team in, we had drones overhead, we had uh, Marines nearby, we had uh, we had everything that they needed, and uh, to launch a rescue operation or at least provide air support or something to that effect. And for whatever reason, they chose not to. And
1: when they. They chose not to, you could see this happening, you could watch this knowing that this is going on and going down at the, at the time it's happening?
2: Several of my friends were involved more with it, and I did not see what was going on from the predator feed or uh, the RPA feed until it was uh, much later Whenever they were watching it in real time, as as things were happening, my friend Joshua Salmon, he was in the skiff secure compartmentalized information facility, so basically a vault within the uh, operations floor, where it's a uh, highly sensitive information. And him and another airman were watching it in real time and communicating with intelligence agencies and. And other branches trying to coordinate and understand what what's going on in real time, and then uh, and then to take action. So, what and, did they do um, when this was all happening? There's somebody called the CCO, which is the commanding officer for combat operations at the time, um, and uh, so he left the skiff, and then this person said directly next to me, and I reported to the CCO, which is kind of a unique position in the enlisted. You typically have a chain of command that goes, uh, you know, enlisted upwards, but I I reported directly to the CCO during uh, my work hours, and the CCO told him that uh, we can't do anything and not to call uh, the full staff in, and where I worked was... uh, living organism and had a huge amount of people that all worked in different specialties. So when uh, they, were to- they told him not to call other people in, they're essentially you know signing their death warrant because um, if everybody had come into work, which typically would be with- within less than two hours, we would have a full staff at work and they would all be doing their jobs and, and helping support the mission. And um, he told him not to have those people called in, and it would have been, uh, you know, manageable, and they could have done something and they launched a rescue operation. And um, it, and,
1: and they, where is they, that that officer now? Where is he today? At that time,
2: we had augmented officers from reserve, um, reserve and uh, guard places that came. Um, not sure who it was. It wasn't. It was not an officer that was actually stationed there. It was a support person, I believe, um, to the best of my memory. And I'm not sure where they are now. They, uh, the next morning, my friend Joshua, he had to brief the intelligence officers on what had happened and explain to them why they did not call anybody in. And uh, they were furious. Uh, needless to say, they were furious because that's the one time that you do call everybody, and that's the reason. That's one of the very first things we get trained in. Everybody gets trained in this, that we are supposed to call the recall roster and then start doing that and going down the list, calling people, and they already have several people they know who to call whenever they're called, so that way it's a tree, and then everybody's called in and uh, pretty quickly too.
1: Did it ever cross your mind that perhaps that officer was – uh, a rogue officer? I mean, how do you do that? Was he getting a command from someone else saying, don't do this?
3: That's
2: possible. He has access to, um, you know, a, a live uh, communication feed and um, that's called Merck Chat and then some other, other uh, access to more things than what we did um, because they had to communicate with other commands much quicker and Um, It's possible that he was told not to do anything. Um, That's very possible. Um, But it's also very possible that this person worked for a defense contractor, you know, typically most of the time during the year, but then they did a six-month deployment to where we were to augment our staff.
1: Well, we're going to get into that. when We're going to take a quick break in a minute here, and then we're going to jump back in, and we're going to go deep. And we're talking today with Nicholas No, and he is—he uh, was part of the Air Force and he was part of the United States um, Air Forces in Europe in the MAGCOM and AFRICOM and EUCOM stationed in, in Germany at the time this all went down and we're talking today about the betrayal in Benghazi the truth from the insiders part one stay tuned you're listening to Making Life Brighter we'll be right back with more Nicholas No. Mm-hmm.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health,
3: The Voice America Live Events channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available Don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events
4: Your life, your health, your network You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness
0: We're back, and today we're
1: talking about the betrayal in Benghazi, the truth from the insiders, part one. And we have special guest with us, Nicholas No, who's a senior airman, E4 of the United States Air Force. And he's been in that uh, sector of what took place and in the know when this went down. And we're talking with him exclusively today about what he does know and what he did know and what happened in his life. So, Nick, let's jump right back in and talk about why why was this set up in the first place? We know we had an officer that didn't call in backup and these people were left to die. And several people did die and you you reached out to the father of one of them as you mentioned in the last segment and spoke to him which probably gave him some relief. What did he tell you and and what did you what were you able to impart to him?
2: Charles told me that um, that they he was, he was told that the video, there is some person that made a video as insulting, uh, Mohammed, which is, which is not true, not true at all. And, uh, that's not what the reason was. And, uh, and he said that, uh, that they went on to tell him, you know, there, um, uh, that there's nothing we could have done. And, and, and thanks to that effect, um, when it comes down to it, we had way more than just where I worked. We had assets. We had a uh, Navy, uh, the Army, you know, and, uh, the Air Force that could have done something. We had another unit, too, that was supporting us at this time because we had just merged AFRICOM and UCOM together and is CENTCOM and they were helping us with our mission. And during that time, Sergeant William Cattell was in charge of the floor there whenever this was all happening and coincidentally they were having well not really a coincidentally they were having an exercise called internal look 12 at the time so they were fully staffed and able to help us with everything and whenever this all started to take place they started to do exactly what they were trained to do and what they know to do and that would be to start uh you know collecting information what's going ongoing and then start planning on what to do and then they were told to uh uh, stand down and not follow what's going on there in, in Libya, um, and of course the, they also mentioned that the State Department uh, s- said they have situation under control. State Department doesn't have any assets; it's just a diplomatic agency. It doesn't have assets, so that's just not true. Um, then we also had um, over in Italy, Aviano. I've contacted several other people since the time I first came forward. Now I have a network of people that were witnesses and there, one of them was in Aviano and they had fighter, fighter jets there. And they were also doing a, uh, an exercise on nine 11. You know, it's not really doesn't make sense to have, be doing an exercise when one of the most vulnerable times that they'd probably do a copycat attack. Uh, you know, and so, so I guess that, So we had our situation, they were told not to do anything. Uh, You had CENTCOM, told not to do anything. And then also the the exercise was going on in Aviano, they were told not to do anything. And there's also a Marine that's come forward recently. He's a Marine officer. And uh, he was told to stand down as well. They could have invaded Libya. They could have invaded uh, Benghazi and been there in no time. And then not to mention whenever Sergeant Cattell he was at CETCOM there. He also said that there were uh, allied forces right nearby. They were close enough to just drive over there. And we were and they were told uh, uh, to refuse their help. Okay, so you have that as well. And then, not to mention, you have all the other assets everywhere else. You had, I had a pararescue team that I talked with every day. They sent me, um, if someone was on vacation or if they were sick on leave or something, I would know about it. And if they had aircraft that wasn't working I would know about it all this information came to me to my desk I condensed it all into another report such a sit rep and then also I made a commander update brief every morning and so uh, there's no feasible way that all these different places could have failures and uh, and then we we had not launched a rescue operation den- denied help from our allies we um, you know we didn't launch uh, our special operators over there, we didn't launch our Marines, we didn't ask for it, we didn't accept the help from our allies. You know, all of those things are with intent. What they intended to do was have them die. They intended that to happen.
1: That's murder. And who would have the authority all the way up the chain to allow this to take place?
2: That would be... Very high up. It would have to be above the commands, the comms, and, and the commands. So we're talking in the administration level. We don't know who it was between all of us. We don't know who it was that made that call. And that's why we've been coming forward, bringing this information forward to hold these people accountable. These people might still be in there and uh, working for our government. All right. So if these people are still there, you know, they need to be held to account. And not to mention they could be doing other bad things that, you know that we uh, you know don't know about and not to mention if they were able to do that to one people uh, one group of people and let them get you know get away with that now think about how the troops feel when they know that they're going to be left to die they that's not something that's okay so we need to get these people that made these decisions to be held to account whoever that was in the previous administration I'm not sure who that is but we need to find out
1: well you know that that's a pretty heavy weight right there because the morale of the troops supposedly one of the best militaries or the best military in the world is rendered helpless on one command where their own people are are perishing it's it's it hurts inside to hear this story really because that doesn't make any sense if we can send a man to the moon and we can send things to mars and go out in space and come back you would think you could get this right. So you're saying it's and intentional.
2: Pers- oh, Oh, absolutely. It's intentional. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. And, uh, you know, the, one of the very first things that everybody knows is, is that you'd never leave a man behind. Never do. And now that they did that with everybody. And you know what? If the people hadn't gone back to rescue the other people, then even more people would have died. And I'm sure they would have been very happy about that. Whoever made those decisions wanted to make sure that they didn't leave with whatever they knew or, or whatever was going on there. For some reason, they wanted those people to die.
1: Well, that's the question. Why would they do this? What's, what's in it for them in doing this on that day in that area? Apparently, there's a, a pseudo- Embassy there and a CIA operation. What's what's the point of it all? Like, why?
2: Well, something I'm privy to that I uh, know for sure is that we were providing weapons through there. Um, it was actually for it was from our weapons caches we had there or they had there. I guess the Libyan army and we made sure that those weapons were supposed to be going to the Syrian rebels and the Syrian rebels. Never got those weapons that, were, that we had been making sure were leaving there to go there. And then, not to mention, I've read and it's been documented by Mark Turry. Um Mark, Mark Turi was, he worked covertly for the CIA and also another person, uh, Wayne Simmons, and they were very poorly treated. And I'll send you information about it, but in one of his interviews on Fox, he talked about how he was a part of the weapons program and he was running weapons through there as was sanctioned by our government. And then when he was doing the program, he was told to step aside by Hillary Clinton so that she can, she and her cronies can send these weapons through there or whatever weapons that they choose. And in my mind, uh, you know, she has no experience doing this. She is, um, She has nothing to do with any of that stuff. She has to do with diplomacy. So she personally took control of that program. So who knows what she was sending through there.
1: How could she be allowed to do that? If she's just a politician, how could she be allowed to do such a thing? Wouldn't the president or somebody else say, hey, what are you doing? Wouldn't anybody in the 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 military say? What
2: their activities were.
1: Wow. This is... Well, that's very heavy. So what would the result? What was the result of that then?
2: Well, something that I found very strange, um, the result of all that is that um, Syrian rebels, um, there was a time around that same time a little, a little later where things didn't work out so good for them, and then you had the rise of ISIS, and we did nothing to stop them, by the way, as they swept across the Middle East, you know, raping, killing, looting, doing whatever they chose, you know, wanted to do, and nobody stopped them. And we had the ability to do that the whole time. That's another question I have. And uh, on top of that, whenever SEAL Team 6, they were over, um, you know, they had been shot down. It was called, uh, their call at the time, I believe, was Extortion 17. They were shot down. And when they were shot down, I have read that it was found there was a uh, the head of one of these uh, Stinger missiles that went through Libya. And on it, it had a serial number that was traced back to the Central Intelligence Agency. So we shot down, we had given wow. the weapons to the enemy who shot down our best of the best, who, by the way, nobody knows where they are when they're operating. Nobody. It's so compartmentalized that, there's probably a handful of people that know where they physically are at any given time, seriously. So how did they know that they would be there? How did that happen? I have questions well, about that. And, you know, it was only a few weeks after they had had got Bin Laden.
1: Interesting. Now you don't see, you didn't see that part travel across your desk because you're supposed to know where people are. Did you get to know where some of those folks were or is this above that?
2: That actually, that actually was uh, above my uh, my clearance. Um, those guys, uh, that would be very compartmentalized information. Uh, where where people are, um, that's uh, very very sensitive. That's so even in uh, you know certain intel places or shops is what it's called or whatever. There only be a handful of people that are in a program that would know stuff about where people are, and and uh, it's very very tightly guarded. So, uh, That's I was unaware of. I don't. I would never know where they are.
1: Well, this must weigh heavy on you in part while you're coming out with this information, and. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with more Nick No right here. He is a senior airman of E4 of the United States Air Force, and he's now retired, but he was actually over in stationed in Germany when all this was going down, and uh, he has so much more to share with us. So stay tuned. We'll be right back, and you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent
3: when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on
4: the Voice of America Health and Wellness Channel.
1: And we're back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. If you have comments or questions, you can reach out to us uh, through the station and you can find us. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on iTunes. You can subscribe there and you can get all the archives at makinglifebrighter.com on the radio page and the player. And today we are speaking with former senior airman of the E-4 of the United States Air Force, Nick Nicholas No, and he's here talking about the betrayal in Benghazi and the truth behind that betrayal. And so, Nick, you were talking about, at the time you were watching as you were working, that basically ISIS had been never thwarted and it was allowed to continue and spread. Let's first go over what your opinion of ISIS is. How do you define ISIS, and what do you know about ISIS as a whole?
2: ISIS, um, what it, the way it was described to me, is uh, basically a group of people that uh, gained some uh, uh, power in our on in our weapons and, and other materials that they needed out there. And uh, it, was, it was brought on by some political aspects, but there seems to be some other... Uh, forces at work that made that happen the way it did, I, I believe. Um, so, whenever they formed and, and started uh, their activities, you know, it wouldn't have taken much to really snuff that out, uh, especially considering all the technology and intelligence gathering and, and uh, operational expertise that we have. It would have been no problem. Look what happened when President Trump addressed the issue, it was weeks and they were gone. Weeks.
1: And so, what do you attribute that to exactly? What did he do differently that hadn't been done previously?
2: What he did was he made it, he took decisive action as a president should, as a good leader should, and he did it right away. He knew he had his experts explain to him the situation, tell him where all of the people were that they had to take out the HBTs, high value targets, and they did it. They executed with military precision. It's beautiful.
1: Well, so going back to Hillary's involvement in this and, and your claim that she was behind this, how do you think she factored into it and why was she doing that? What was her overall incentive?
2: I've read that the, some of the motivations for this is through reports that some of the motivation to get in, involved in Syria was to to make way for an oil pipeline from Qatar through Syria to Europe. And that's what they wanted to do. And that was somehow involved in the decision-making process.
1: And how would that, why um, would that benefit them? What did they want in that? And who wanted it? For what purpose?
2: Well, um, I think it comes down to power and money. And uh, that's essentially how these deep state operators make every decision. Does it give them power or money? And if it does not, they don't do it. They don't do anything other than try to enrich and benefit themselves.
1: How are they allowed to continue operating? Why has that? It sounds it's (laughs) what you're saying. Essentially, is that we have our own internal jihad going on?
2: There has been a silent war going on the last few years since President Trump was elected. There are people in our government that, by any means necessary, will try and thwart the Trump, Trump administration and everything they're trying to do that's good for our country. Everything that Trump has accomplished, he has had to do with uh, threat of impeachment, with Many threats on his life with the media completely against him. Every single media. Have you ever looked up the stats on how many negative, uh, what the ratio is for negative and positive news reports about him? It's, it's astronomical. The, the amount of negative reports is something like 90% or higher than that even that, uh, that have been heated been up against. So he's been able to accomplish all of these things. Uh, the deep state has had their control over. It. And remember how it is, it's power and influence. Look at the Clinton Foundation. Clinton Foundation is as dirty as can be, and, and you guys are all going to find out soon, and I know this for a fact, that um, that information is going to come out soon. Pay for play, all of the uh, really bad things, basically all the worst things a person can do to their country and to people, you're going to find out what these deep state players have been doing to our country.
1: Where does that leave the American people? Because just to play devil's advocate for a minute, I don't, I'm not offering opinion here. I'm just talking about the general consensus of the people. There are a lot of people that are afraid. They are afraid of Trump and they're afraid that he's ruining our country. And they're afraid of his um, commentary through Twitter and what they feel are his lies and his flippant, flippant comments. What would you say to those people?
2: Oh, yeah. A lot of people get upset about his tweeting, but how could you, considering everything that he says is, is manipulated and twisted? And uh, a lot of times, people won't even take the time to do the research themselves, and that's what I'm encouraging all of your listeners to do now. Don't take the advice of or opinions of these news medias. You have to do the research yourself. Um, for example, whenever he had a phone call in Ukraine, okay, uh, instead of I saw some articles instead of actually putting the information the actual words that were in the call on the report they instead you know would read the first five words or whatever and then and then say what their interpretation of what it was instead of showing the people what was actually said which was a perfect call it, you know and, and things like that it's just people have no idea there's a war for our minds there are people, very powerful people, to include central bankers and uh, and many other power players around the world, and they seek to control us. And you know, if they're doing nefarious activities, the only way to conceal it is through all the information. If you control information, you control perception. That even goes through our books, through our schools. Much of our human history is hidden and and not known. And even they're taking out things in, in the. You know in the schools for grammar school for kids now that everything they don't they don't get taught all of the history so it doesn't get repeated. You know you've got people in universities being told that communism is good and socialism is good. Those two things lead to death and destruction. There's no other way around it 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 looks good on paper. I get it. it looks good on paper, but what people don't understand how is how dangerous this is they they omit pertinent facts such as there's been nearly 100 million people die from communism and being murdered in the last 100 years. You know It's not talked about and taught in our schools anymore. We aren't taught to be proud of our country and who we are and our culture. These people seek to destroy our culture and make a global uh, economy. They want a global economy, and they want no borders. They want no identity. They want to destroy the family. They are doing these things constantly. And I'm sure people are starting to become wise to this. Even people, you know, I was once a, a Democrat. I was a Democrat for a long time. I even voted for Obama the first time when he came around. And, um, you know, and I realized later I was a fool. And then, you know, after that... Um, Why were you a I had fool? joined the military. Why? Well, I've come to find out that, that he, not, he did not make do with any of his promises all his decisions he did hurt us economically it hurt our freedoms you know he he did all sorts of things like there was more journalist suppressions and prosecutions of whistleblowers than i think in in uh, recent history you know all these other things going on they would silence whoever spoke out against them like a tyrant that's how obama operated and i was too young and foolish to know this because you know i went to a liberal arts school for college and i I thought, oh, wow, you know, it, for the people, and, and that's what Democrats want to do. And nothing not saying that I don't want to talk about politics so much. It's not that. It's just that these people, if you look at it for liberal, uh, you know, things where they're trying to make change a lot, you know, conservative people, by definite conservative, there it is. They want to keep things generally the way things are, right? And then you got uh, liberals, right, that are wanting to change things. That's That makes sense that people that are bad people that want to make changes that hurt us would go through that avenue because that's where changes uh, to society are made, like generally ideas, you know what I mean?
1: So you feel that what Trump's doing is more of a military operation, a cleanup?
2: President Trump has... <laughs> he is probably one of the smartest people on this planet and he has the smartest people on the planet behind him too. Like the, all of the top smartest and best and brightest. And they're all working together to take this country back for us and turn it around so that we are no longer going towards control. We want freedom of expression. We want uh, the ability to make money without having all of our money taken from us and given to somebody else. We want, you know, all of the things that, had been done before to stifle growth and prosperity in our country, he's now moving those obstacles out of the way. He's making America great again, I suppose.
1: And do you all in the military speak about that? I mean, do you sim- oh, feel similarly, uh, most military of
2: you? The loves him. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I mean, we get it. We know what, it, we look at actions, right? Cause, because in the military, you know, you hear all kinds of whatever from, the news and stuff, but we, you know, for example, where I worked, we would be doing the exact opposite of what I would be seeing on CNN, Fox, and whatever. We would be doing the exact opposite where I worked, and they'd be saying, you know, they would say the opposite. So I, you know, we all know that that's all malarkey, and actions speak louder than words. He's been decisive, he's made very good decisions, and it's only benefited America.
1: Now, do you have you heard of Russell hyphen J. and Gould?
2: I have heard Russell's story. I have heard of him and I find it fascinating because I have studied all of, of uh, America's history and to go back, you know, I'm just very interested in history um, and especially with hidden history. I'm especially interested in that. I am just fascinated by the fact that not all of history is revealed to us. So with each bit of hidden information, you know, you, you can put together a mosaic to understand the real picture of how the world works. And that's ultimately what you want to do is understand how the world works and then make decisions based upon your knowledge. Right. So with Russell, his actions were based upon the old system that had been going on, going all the way back to Europe, you know, with with, uh, Kings and Queens back in the day and and, uh, the whole shipping system, the postal system, and the whole way that the world was run, it was almost run like a corporation, the same way the America, America was made into a corporation in the late 1800s. Not many people know that. And when we were made into a corporation, shortly thereafter that, the Federal Reserve Act was was passed. And that's whenever they turned the central bank into a private bank. Federal Reserve is not federal. It's, it's a private bank.
1: Okay, on that note, we have and to take a quick break. Hold that thought. We're going to come right back with more. This is fascinating. We'll be right back.
0: Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives. But most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host ray lynch mondays at 8 p.m eastern time 5 p.m pacific time on the voice america health and wellness channel hope is in your corner How much health and wellness information have you been exposed to today? Listen to Prescription for Success with Dr. Emil Haldi. Healing and empowerment start from within, but it also takes the best knowledge and advice. That's what you'll find here. Dr. Haldi and his guests will help you make the right life-enhancing decisions for well-being success. Tune in live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Prescription for Success. (laughs) Back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at MakingLifeBrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with Medical Intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at Radio at MakingLifeBrighter.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Making Life Brighter, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. Now back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams.
1: We're just going to jump right back in here. Nick, go ahead and continue on your thought about the bank becoming private.
2: Right, Where we left off were, um, most people don't know it, but when the Federal Reserve was created, it it was made uh, as a private bank. It's as federal as Federal Express. There is no federal about it. It's a private bank, all right? So this bank is where we get our money printed at, right? They print our money, and they changed our money system to being from being backed by gold and silver to being backed by nothing at all. They are pieces of paper. That's all it is, and the only thing that gives it value is by someone else saying it gives it value, that it has value. It's just an understanding, and there's no real value to it, and that's how they've been extracting our wealth. You know, and, and gaining so much power is because they have us in this Ponzi scheme for money, and we need to get back to gold and silver standard to have sound money.
1: Well, you know, Russell J. Cole and Gould took down the Federal Reserve System as people know it in America and created the Federal Serve System and then levied a, a, a fine against them for like $70 million or something because of their fraudulent activity. And that's a fact logged in Congress. That's why that's we right. and they have to had these gold. shows. He specified. Correct. Correct. So, anyway, you know, the War Castle series and all of that that we featured here for many months about Russell was to bring the truth forward in the history of that man's actions and why that is important. And what you're talking about today actually feeds into that as to factual and correct um, operational protocol or that which is for the good of the people versus private enterprise. (laughs) And in this case, the sadness here to this story and what you're bringing forward is that there were some casualties in this. And those people were folks that needlessly lost their lives based on what you are saying is greed or political gain or positioning in the Middle East or throughout Europe, based
2: on oil, is that right? For power. For personal gain. Don't let them fool you. It wasn't for our country to have a better position in the world. It was not about that.
1: It was for her? specifically or president obama at the time i mean who would benefit who gains from this who gains from the the pipeline going from the middle east to europe and isn't there already oil being served over there from somebody who's providing that who's who's
2: russia russia is one of the main suppliers to to the europe for gas and oil
1: and so, and, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about what it is if you dial it down and say, okay, I saw this happen, I know this, I personally witnessed this or heard this from so-and-so. What is, what is some of the most damning things that you know yourself that you got to see while you were at work that speaks to this?
2: Uh, first, I... I'd like to talk about um, those we lost there. Um, we got amb- Ambassador Chris Stevens, Sean Smith, Glenn Doherty, and Tyrone Woods. Um, and what I saw happen where I worked, we had, we had everything at our fingertips to have the surge assets, what's called surge assets. We had the ability to send people in route and start uh, a rescue operation, we had the ability to send in close air support. We had the ability to send in Marines. We had the ability for our allies to start giving support, and they were very close by. You know, we had and drones, too, armed and unarmed, and they, we did not use our arms drones. That were Africa, North Africa is littered with drones, okay? It is just covered, and, they, and there's no real conflict for airspace. At the time, I believe there was a no-fly zone or whatever you want to try and say. It doesn't matter. There's not very much uh, airspace conflict over Africa. It's a huge continent. You now, people, you know, people um, who haven't been there or just, just don't understand the, the vastness of the, the size of the continent, you know, it's huge, and, um, and there's not really any air conflict. So we could have been over there, uh, You know, air, land, and sea. We could have been there and helped them. And, and uh, one of those attackers, and something else that people don't know about, Um, Is that at the same time we had the Egyptian embassy overrun, and we had Marines there in the embassy that were told to stand down too, and they were and they were told to stand down, turn their weapons in, and lock them up, and let the Morsi government take over the Egyptian embassy. Why? And something that exactly and something most people don't know about is that Hillary went to visit him, you know, uh, around that same time, and then uh, check this out last year when he was on trial, Morsi was on trial in Egypt and he had, uh, been going through his whole trial. And then during one of the breaks, he told somebody, I have information, uh, you know, that would basically take down a lot of people, right? Um, powerful people. And then, uh, either he was poisoned or something like that happened. And he ended up dying on the stand. you know, and that was last year. And, um, And the Morsi is, uh, you know, he's related to Hillary, you know. So you've got the embassy in Egypt getting turned over, you know, so the Muslim Brotherhood could take it over. Then you've got uh, uh, what happened in Benghazi happening at the same time. You know, the odds of those two things happening at the same time like that and not be coordinated are zero. And then the fact that we told uh, our own guys to give up the embassy, and then also, we were told not to rescue people that were in duress and uh you know and they end up getting killed I, I, like I like i said, I truly believe that they wanted more people to die there so that nobody would know about their activities, whatever they were that they would have been needing to die for they were wanting them to die for
1: that's so sad, that's just so hurtful. I'm so sorry to the families that that happened too if this is the case because it's it's needless now. Let's, we just have a few minutes left, so we're going to have to have you back because there's so much more that I want to ask you, and I want to get down to it. Now, you're bringing this, this forward. You're bringing it forward now, you and others that have this information, and some of those were more firsthand as well. You're writing a book on this you're going to release in August. Is that correct?
2: Yes, there should be a book published by the end of summer here. Uh, we're working on it. I've got Charles Woods is a contributor uh, he's the father of Ty Woods. We have, um, we have, uh, General Valerie and we have myself and also Sergeant William Cattell as well. We all have information that we're putting in there together and it's all different perspectives. It's all the pieces of the puzzle so you can see the full picture. And, now this is- uh, General Valley uh, who will come on your show soon, he, uh, he started the Citizens Commission on Benghazi and I think, it's fair to say that the whole hearings wouldn't have happened without him collecting all the information and, and kind of handing it over to him, even though they didn't take all of it. They just took picked and choose what they wanted. Uh, that's another story.
1: Now we're going to have General Vallely on next week. Maybe you'll come back and visit us as well, Nick. And General Vallely is going to continue this story from his perspective and why this ties together and is so important because we didn't even have time to get into it all today. This is a huge story, and... Uh, We have so much more to cover in this, and I appreciate your coming to spend time with us to share this, because it's bravery to come out and say these things with all these people being um, kind of taken out when they share, and that must cross your mind, you know. The FBI didn't want anything to do with this. You kind of went to them. They didn't want to touch it, yet you have corroboration to what you understand with others. So what you know, how do you I the walk the world? I
2: literally made the documents to show where the edits were. That was my job. I, you know, I know exactly what, where to go, where to, you know, to get them and and, uh, and and who to talk to. You know, that's all they had to do is just contact me. I would have gave them all the information they needed to know, at least for that part. I know for my part of it, um, that would have been enough for them to look further into it. Well,
1: Nick, I'd really like to have you back because there's more to this story. I'm sure many people have questions and feel free to write to me at MLB Radio at makinglifebrighter.com and we can ask those questions to him. Next week on Making Life Brighter Radio, we're going to have General Vallelay and he's going to go more in depth as to his position on this and why this is important to him and why he and Nick are working together to bring this story forward and what the impact and the weight of that really is. Nick, I'd like to thank you again for coming and being with us, and thank you for your service to our country.
2: Thank you, Winifred. Appreciate it.
1: All right, everybody. Go jolly out there and uh, put a smile on your face so you can put a smile on somebody else's face. I still believe in love. Love is greater than all this darkness out there, and thank goodness for people that care about us. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week with General Valet right here on Making Life Brighter
0: Radio. For listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel, be sure to join us every Thursday at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. Go jolly!